9, verse 11. That's where we'll start here in just a few minutes. I'm going to title the message. It'll be Becoming a Thanks Giver. Right? Becoming a Thanks Giver. I remember when our daughters, uh, Nyla and Heather, would be invited over to, um, to a friend's house, and uh, you know, when they left, we would remind them all the things that parents remind their kids of, right? Be courteous, be respectful, uh, listen, and always, always say thank you, right? And I can't tell you how many times we've reminded them of that, and you know, it's just one of those nice things. It's one of those respectful and courteous things that we do. But if we're honest with ourselves, I mean, adults, even, even Christians, uh, we need to be reminded from time to time to say thank you. Uh, it drives me crazy. Uh, when uh, you know, you're driving down the road and somebody uh, just kind of assumes that I'm in the mood to let them in in front of me, and, and they just kind of cut in, you know, and, and, and that, that's okay. But when they don't give the obligatory, you know, thank you wave, doesn't that just rub you the wrong way? You know, it's like, buddy, that's the last time I'm, I'm ever letting you in, right? As if I'm ever going to see them again, right? Yeah. Or maybe when you hold the door open for somebody and they just walk in without, uh, without saying thank you. You know, that, that's... Did you hold the door open so you could hear a thank you? Did you hold your door open because it was the right thing to do and they just didn't say thank you? Well, Thanksgiving is in a couple of days, right? So we want to talk about uh, what it means to be thankful, what it means to be a thanks giver. Uh, and, and why is it that so many of us struggle with, with remembering just to say thank you? Sometimes we remember, sometimes we don't. How, 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 how does this, something so simple, how does it slip our minds? I mean, do we really need a holiday to make us pause and remember to be thankful? Well, we need the holiday so I can eat my wife's cornbread dressing. That's, that's really why we need this holiday. Uh, but really, we, we shouldn't need a day to, to set aside to remind us to be thankful for things. You know, you're at, you're at home, you're thinking about what needs to be done, what errands you have to do, or, or what needs to be dropped off, what needs to be picked up, what appointments you have next, and as your kids grow and they grow, then you're going and going even more, and, and then, you know, you're wondering just, okay, what did I forget, where did I put it, did I leave a kid someplace I'm supposed to pick up, and we forget just to put the brakes on a little bit and stop and think. Right? I, I, there's, there's things I'm blessed with. There's, there's some thanks I need to express. You know, Thanksgiving must be one of the most frustrating holidays for an atheist. Um, and I say this in all seriousness, really. Uh, they, they may want to express thanks, but to whom do they get to thank? Um, who do they get to thank for the blessings that they've experienced through the course of their life? Now, I'm sure that we're all guilty of not giving thanks for a gift, for an act of kindness that's been bestowed upon us, for uh, somebody doing us a favor, and we forget to say thank you. Uh, but can you imagine forgetting to give thanks, of all people, to Christ himself? Um, well, there, there's an account in Scripture um, about a group of people that received an enormous blessing from Jesus and they forgot to tell Jesus thank you. 
We're going to look at the uh, story, going to hit a few high points, and then we're going to get real practical about giving thanks. All right. Uh, the story's in Luke 17, uh, beginning in verse 11. Uh, and, and I think this, this might be of great interest to Luke because Luke was a doctor and, and healing takes place here, so that would have perked Luke's attention. But because he was inspired by the Holy Spirit of God, he, he recorded this account for us. So if you're uh, in uh, chapter 17, I want you to find verse 11. And it, uh, it says, And it came to pass, as he went, and that being Jesus, went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go, show yourselves unto the priest. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answered, um, answering said, Were there not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? There are not uh, found that there are not uh, found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto them, Arise, go thy way; thy faith hath made thee whole. Now let's let's, let's kind of get get some background here for for this story. Uh, Jesus and his followers are on their way to Jerusalem. It was Jesus's final journey into the holy city. Uh, they're going to celebrate the Passover. It wouldn't be long before he goes to the garden. He's betrayed. He's arrested. He's put through a mock trial, and he's crucified for our sins. Well, in order to get there, he has to pass through this region between Samaria and Galilee. And all along the way to Jerusalem, there were small towns and villages. Uh, there were you know, lots of little places where a caravan could stop. They could rest. They could get supplies, and then they could continue on their journey. Uh, we don't know exactly which village this is that Jesus entered, but we do know that there were some people waiting for him along the way. Now, as Jesus approached the village, there were ten men who had leprosy who were waiting to meet him. They, they had heard. Um, now, they, they, they stood at a distance. Uh, leprosy is a disease that still exists in some places today. Now it's known as Hansen's disease. It was a horrible disease in which the skin and bone slowly degenerates over time. And, and, and we don't know if, if that's exactly what these ten men had because leprosy tends to be used in Scripture for any number of, 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 of skin disorders. Uh, but since it says leprosy, let's take it at, uh, at uh, what, what it says. Regardless, these ten men would have been extreme social outcasts. If you were diagnosed as having a skin disease, uh, you were, for all intents and purposes, as good as dead. Right? By Jewish law, you were forced to leave your family, leave your friends, leave your job, leave your community. You could only live with others who had similar skin diseases. They were, they were quarantined altogether, and, and, and you weren't allowed to have any physical contact with any other people. You would never again feel the warmth of your spouse's touch. You would never be allowed to feel that gentle squeeze a hug around the neck of your child. I mean, you were done with society. You were done with culture. 
I mean, we're created for community. They were forced to live in isolation. Whenever you were walking down the street, you're supposed to yell, unclean, unclean, so that the people around there wouldn't accidentally come in contact with you. It was always assumed that you were contagious and you were being punished because of your sinfulness. That was their, the thinking, that God was, was, was sending his retribution on you because of something that you had done. So these ten men stood at a distance from Jesus. And, uh, but this, this was their chance. Now with these men living on the outskirts of the village that was very well traveled, word would have spread about this about this rabbi, about, about this healer. Uh, he, had, he had healed the blind. He had healed the deaf. He had healed the mute. He had brought people back from the dead, and he had fed thousands. Could this man have the power to heal them from this killer disease? Well, they waited anxiously in anticipation at the entrance of the village for Jesus to show up. Finally, they see the large crowd, and in that crowd, there is Jesus. And this was the moment that they had been waiting for. Uh, he's the only hope that they have for any kind of life. So they cried out, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And, and, and their cry acknowledged by Jesus uh, as, as their master. He is asking them, uh, him to have mercy on them, to, to, to do something for them. And, and they got Jesus' attention. And, and verse 14 says, when Jesus saw them, he said, go, show yourself to the priests. Now, this may not make sense for us, uh, but, but for Luke's readers, they, they completely understood. On the one hand, you know, our thinking is that, that you know, they, they keep their distance from people. So uh, if, if, if they're healed, they should go not to the priest, but to the doctor, right? And Luke's a doctor, so maybe that's why he, you know, this, the, you know why, why did he write it like this? Well, under Jewish law, it was the priest, not a doctor, but the priest that was given the responsibility to determine if somebody was fit to rejoin society or not. The book of Leviticus, and I encourage you to read the book of Leviticus. All right? It covers these rules extensively. So a person would come to the priest, and if the priest checked them out and gave them a clean bill of health, then and only then could they go back and rejoin their family. Could they go back and rejoin their friends? Could they, could they take their job back? Then something rather astonishing happens. In verse 14 it says, as they went, right, as they went, as they obeyed, they were cleansed. Now, now we don't have a frame of reference to, to imagine the ecstasy that they were feeling as they looked at their hands and their feet, their arms, their legs, and, 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 and see the healing take place. I mean, just as they went, they were, they were cleansed. And now all they had to do was present themselves to the priest, go through the ritual cleansing routine, and they would be able to return to their lives, having just moments before absolutely no hope of ever doing that again. After years in isolation, they would have been thrilled. And then something else happens. Look at verse 15 and 16. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. 
Now he was a Samaritan. This one man knew he needed to return to Jesus and give thanks. It hit him, and he, returned, he, 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 he turned around. He made a beeline for Jesus. He was crying out again, but this time, instead of saying unclean, unclean, he's now crying out in praises and giving thanks to God. Then when he gets to Jesus, he doesn't stop. But he falls at Jesus' feet, face practically resting on his feet, and he's giving thanks. See, understanding the grace that God has given you had better make you thankful. The more you realize the gravity of what was done for you, the greater will be your desire to express thanks for it. Then Luke adds a, adds a twist into his story. Says that this man was a Samaritan. On the one hand, eh, so what? But again, Luke's readers would have gotten it. Him being a Samaritan was a huge deal. See, Samaritans were the ones who worshipped idols and, and, and intermarried. They were half-breeds. The Jews looked down upon them, and they were despised by the Jews. They were never good enough. They were never accepted. Of all the people, of the ten that could have returned to give thanks to this Jewish rabbi, it was this Samaritan. Verse 17, Jesus is speaking, were there not ten cleansed? Where is the nine? They, weren't, there, weren't there ten of you here? Was not one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Why? Why did this one man return? Now, he should have returned, absolutely. Matter of fact, all ten of them should have returned, but, but what was it that made this one man turn around and go back to give thanks when the other nine just kept going? I mean, after all, it would take longer now before he could be re reunited with his family. He'd be at the back of the line of the ten waiting to see the priest. I mean, weren't they all grateful? Well, yeah, I think they were. I think they were grateful all ten of these men had just experienced this, this, this life-altering miracle. And, and until we understand what a death sentence, a, 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 a um, diagnosis of leprosy was, we cannot understand what Jesus has done for them. But their lives were changed forever. But only one person turned his gratefulness into thankfulness. Only one of them turned their gratitude into thanksgiving. He returned to throw himself at Jesus' feet. And yes, he was grateful, but, but he took another step. He was thankful. 
He expressed that. He turned his gratefulness for what Jesus had done into thankfulness for what Jesus has done. If there is one thing Jesus is trying to get at with, with these questions, if there's one thing Luke is trying to get us to get here, there's one thing, one point that I want you to, to, to take home with you is it's this, in all of your busyness, in, in, in all the cacophony of the stuff going on in your life, you need to stop for a minute. Just take a breath. I mean, yes, you're grateful for what Jesus has done for you in every aspect of your life, but turn around and say thank you to him. Turn your thoughts of I'm grateful for this or I'm grateful for that person into an action, into an expression, into doing something. You know, it's one thing to be grateful, and you ought to be, uh, but, 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 but being thankful, it's an action. It takes action. It's doing something about being grateful. Just like this man who was healed, this man turned his gratitude into thanksgiving. He changed his direction, went back to Christ to say thank you. And then Jesus said to him, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Now that phrase, your faith has made you well, is an amazing statement by Jesus that, that we miss very often. We may not fully understand it, but again, Luke's readers would have gotten it during this time. Your faith has made you well literally means that your faith has delivered you from danger into safety. It's used principally of God rescuing believers from the penalty and power of sin into his provision of safety. It's used of sinners becoming saints. It's used of those who are lost getting saved. That's what that means. Jesus was telling this man that his faith had saved him. In essence, Jesus was telling him, I didn't just come here to heal your disease. I came here so you could be saved from your sin. For one man, his life was changed that day because he paused, turned his gratitude into thanksgiving. Now, For some of you here that don't know Jesus as your Savior, this same thing can happen to you. When you turn from the direction you're going, you repent of your sin and you turn to Christ to be saved. For many of us, uh, that's already happened. But yet still we forget to stop, to pause, to say thank you. Now let's, get, let's get practical. Okay, let's, let's, let's package this up so we can take it to work with us tomorrow. So we can take it to the grocery store Tuesday evening, whatever the case is. How often do you give thanks to God? I mean, you're thankful for the things he has done, of course. Even if you're not having the greatest of days, there's still good in your life. You have still been blessed. There is much to be thankful for. And we may be grateful for all we have, but do we give thanks do we move that to the next step? We talk to God about what you're thankful for. I mean, that's an important part of prayer, all right? 
in fact, I believe when you pray, that, that, that ought to be your starting point. You start with praises and with thanksgiving to God. That's, that's, that, that sets the tone for your time of prayer. You recognize your dependence upon God. You recognize the way God has blessed you. You begin with thanking him. So if we're going to get, speci- going to get practical, number one, you get specific. Right? Be specific. When you're giving thanks to God, be specific about what you're thanking him for. Don't, don't be generic, all right? Like, hey, God, you know, thanks for all my stuff. You give me a whole lot of it and just want to say thanks. Yeah, no. That, that's, not, uh, that's not specific. That's not uh, really thanking God. Try to vary what you're thankful for. Whether it's your physical belongings that he has given you, health that he has given you, your body, your family, your job, your hopes, your dreams, whatever it is, even if you're, you're thrilled about an upcoming event, then give thanks for it specifically. Be specific. If someone does something for you, don't just give them the good old, hey, thanks for that, man. Yeah, no, no, be specific. Give thanks for, for someone doing something for you. All right? Be, be specific about it. Whatever it is, be specific. Name that thing. Don't let your thankfulness stop with people. I mean... What has Jesus done for you? What does he continue to do for you? You know, thanking him once just isn't enough. Giving thanks is crucial when it comes to the overall health of our families, of our church, of our workplaces, schools, friends, whatever the case is. Be specific about what you give thanks for. The second thing is be honest. Okay, people can tell when you are inauthentic. If you aren't thankful, don't 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 try to fake it. Don't don't you know that's don't say things because you feel like you're supposed to. I mean, yes, you are supposed to, but that can't be your only motivation. Say thanks because you are truly thankful. That Samaritan, he didn't turn around and go back to Jesus because he thought he had to or he was supposed to. He did it because he wanted to. He wanted to express his thanks. He fell on his face, on Jesus' feet. His gratefulness led him to show his thankfulness. He was genuine about that. So we need to be genuine and honest. Thirdly, make it, uh, make it public. You know, it's one thing to, to say thank you, but if you, if you have the right opportunity... Say thank you in public. You can let other people know what you're thankful for. Maybe there's something to share at the, at the dinner table um, that someone's done for you. Maybe it's to, 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 to praise your spouse. Maybe it's to praise one of your children uh, in front of the spouse and other children. They would gain a better understanding about giving thanks. And, and, and they would see what a healthy marriage, what a healthy child-parent relationship looks like. You can do it publicly, and that can mean in your home. But don't, you don't have to pull somebody aside and privately say thank you for, for, for something that isn't a private issue. Number four is make it, uh, make it permanent. 
put it in writing, write somebody a note, send them a card or something. Uh, if you have fancy stationery sitting in your desk drawer, if you don't, it's probably down at the bottom, you know, you have to dig it out and, and boy, you'll find stuff you haven't found in years. I mean, email and text messages are nice, but, but a handwritten note, I mean, that, that, takes, that takes a portion of your life to invest in that. Those kind of things, they stay with the person for a very long time. You know, we get uh, letters and cards on occasion, and we keep every single one of them. Um, they're great reminders that, that someone cared, someone took enough time to express their gratitude, to express their thankfulness. Is it a difficult thing to do? You turn your gratefulness into thankfulness. You be specific, you be honest, you make it public, you make it permanent. It really can't be a one and done kind of thing and still be effective. Can you imagine what it would look like if just over just the next week or two, we got this, this one truth down, okay? We really practiced this, this one thing. I mean, what would your dinner table look like if you and your family paused periodically and spoke about the thankfulness uh, that you have for, for one another? If you could be specific about the things that someone has done that makes you want to authentically thank them. I mean, we, we know we're grateful, okay? We, we get that. But, but in our busyness, we need to pause and let the world know that we are not just grateful, we're thankful. We're not just, just harboring this gratitude, but we're willing to put the extra effort into saying thank you for what has happened. And what if you went to work tomorrow and you weren't just grateful for the people you work with, but you showed them? You showed them publicly. You showed them maybe privately just how thankful you truly are for them. Imagine what that workplace would become like. What would it do for our church if we expressed our thanksgiving to God for each other? See, thankfulness needs an object and it needs a subject. Yes, you can be thankful for something or someone, but you must be thankful to someone. What if we could show our, uh, our thankfulness for one another? Showing our gratitude, our thankfulness, not, not just to God, but for one another. I mean, we've talked about this a couple of weeks ago, the need for community. Our interdependence on one another. There's not one part of your body that you would want to purposely get rid of. No. There's not one person here that we can do without. That person needs thanks expressed to them. That person needs to know that they are thought of, that they are cared for, that they are important. We need to show love, thankfulness, gratitude, absolutely to God and yes, to one another.
And here's, here, here's one of the beauties of this truth is, 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 is that we all have the ability to do this. I mean, it's, it's not someone else's job. It's all of our jobs, which means it, 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 it is your job. It is your job to, to do this. We, you know, we, we, we can't be the nine who, who, who just left and went to see the priest without turning back to Christ and saying thank you for the enormity of the way you have blessed me. We need to be the one who stands out, who turns around, recognizes that every good thing we have ever experienced in our life has come from our God, and we need to stop and say thank you to him for everything he has done. The video mentioned it very briefly. We deserve nothing good. But in God's grace, he has blessed us and blessed us and blessed us. And we need to express those things. We need to stop. Understand it's not about us. It's not about the turkey. It's not about the dressing. It's not about the clothes. It's not about the house. It is about our God and him receiving the thanks from us to him for him just being him. Stand with your heads bowed and eyes closed. Father, this morning we, we do, and we do appropriately, want to say thank you Lord we don't deserve any of your blessings if it were not for us knowing Christ being in Christ we would be the right objects of your wrath but Lord you have given us Christ you have given us eternal life you have given us Jesus's righteousness we stand before you as if we have never sinned because when you see us, you see Jesus. And oh, Father, how can we not say thank you? Father, every material thing we have is a blessing from you. Every relationship, family relationship, church relationship, Every friendship we have is a blessing from you, and we want to say thank you. Father, you command us in Thessalonians and Colossians, uh, you command us to be thankful. But Father, may it be so much more than just following the command. Lord, may it be a true expression of our heart and our love for you that we say thank you for all that you have done. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Mike, would you come ahead?